the first law of Ivanova's hair. Doesn't make any sense. Do the IMDb corner because oh, good grief. Look, do you know what it's like when telepaths make love? You and I being of firm New England stock understand yes. what it means to be emotionally bound up. This might be my adult brain. Look at you being all judgy. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. I generally want uh, less Jack the Ripper. I should probably just cut all of this. The dutiful master of horse. Brain, brain, what is brain? Oh, I'm sorry. Suck it, DS9. I'm full of tinier vorlons! Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Don't step to me with Bionic Bigfoot, man. I think I've had enough of you. I shall sail into the west and remain Garibaldi. What's she gonna look like with a chimney on her? Episode 93, The Paragon of Animals, in which Garibaldi asks Byron for assistance and Sheridan struggles to bring the Alliance together. Coming to you live from the island of remarkably ungrateful telepaths, this is the name of the pod, the... Babylon 5 podcast in which we discuss the ongoing cultural legacy of the aforementioned television program. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-host, Chris Tatro. Chris Tatro, who's never ungrateful. Uh, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> Just, I'm, 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 I'm happy to sail on that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, yeah, the SSS. Mm, Pretending to be grateful? Uh, sure. Yeah, right, right. You were just, yeah. uh, before we started recording, you were talking about how grateful you were to have had the opportunity to eat a Macintosh apple. Ah, so the simple pleasures in life. It yeah. is It is today, uh, and we're recording this, of course, listeners, a couple of weeks before it'll come out, but right. it is a perfect New England fall day. Yeah. The trees yeah. have this reddish orange to them. Right. Um, there's that... Faint scent of decay in the air from all of the, all of the leaves on the ground. Um, it is it is crisp outside, and I was eating a, I was eating an apple. Unfortunately, not one I picked from the tree myself. I had to get this at the local supermarket because I just haven't had time to go apple picking this year. Uh, my priorities are way out of line. Out of line. Yeah. 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 Of course, it's a perfect summer day here in Southern California, seventy-three <laughs> degrees, and yeah. the sky, reminiscent of Mars. Because uh, as opposed to it being apple season in New England, it's, of course, wildfire season here. Yeah, right. it's nice when you can just go out and pick a wildfire right off the tree. <laughs> That's, again, a simple joy in life. Oh, oh we have gone to a place of darkness. Yeah, And it's, we're only two minutes in. And mm. uh, we may actually find ourselves back in uh, various places of darkness uh, yeah, talking about that, this episode. Because it is a classic episode of Babylon 5, isn't it? Well, you you certainly fired some shots in your uh, in your witty intro there, so uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll be getting to that and yeah. and your uh, your love for the uh, for the telepaths. Right, my 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 never very high love mm-hmm. for the telepaths, which is declining rapidly. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like uh, it's like Enron stock in the 2000s dropping fast. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, well, let's 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 start yeah, look, off there. Why not? Where, why not move right. On? Okay. So we're, we're what do we have here? We have sort of a classic uh, pre prestige format episode of science fiction television. You've got an A plot, the Enfili, Declaration of Principles, Enfili. Did I just say that wrong? You you said Enfili. You said okay. Yes. Uh, uh, Friends, listeners, um, all through our pre-show, I continued to mispronounce the name of this. uh, We will no no, doubt see them once and never again. 
it, it wasn't a mispronouncing. You just you just named an entirely different alien, you right, know, yes. Ladra or something <laughs> like that. It was the Imzadi, you know, something, you know. Yeah, I just, I just, I grew, I grew weary of correcting you at some point. That's right. Just yes. Stopped. Yes, I cannot come to the aid of of this race, the Infili. <laughs> I can, however, come to the aid of any one of a number of a hundred <laughs> other <races>. unnamed races. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, 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 I, you've yes. got the A plot, which is, to me, the uh, Sheridan is trying to do the right thing. The Declaration of Principles. Here's an opportunity to put our uh, you know, money where our mouth is uh, to do the right thing. Uh, oh, a little bit of drowsy hoodwinking, uh, you know, all to the good, right? Mm-hmm. That's the A plot. The mm-hmm. B plot is, well, you know, John, says Michael Garibaldi, uh, <laughs> I think all your highfalutin principles are right. Sadly, I agree with Londo. Um, and, you know, I am going to make sure that you get to do this thing that you want to do, hearkening back to Lanier and Delenn. You don't have the stomach for it. You don't have the public face for it anymore. So I'm going to go all covert cuckoo, cuckoo on you. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm going to ask these telepaths that you were so, so forward-looking and so thoughtful to let stay on this station rather than ragtag fugitive fleet their way to who knows where. Mm-hmm. I'll go ask them, these people for whom you paid political points mm-hmm. if they might come in and help you um, to do the most noble thing that anyone has tried to do in this part of the galaxy ever. Mm-hmm. And then we go? get the B plot that we get. Yeah, and how does that go, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, I, well, look, as I said in the uh, in our first episode of this season, Byron reads to me as creepy, icky, don't get in the car with him, children. Um, I, I, I viscerally want to push him away with a yardstick, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. And now, after all of this speciesist, specious, uh, ob- obnoxious, superior race kind of gross he's just gross right i yeah yeah he you know and and i was i've been thinking we talked a couple episodes back about recasting captain lockley and i've had it bouncing around in my head well who would i who would i recast byron with oh wow in 1997 98 um Huh. And I, I was I was drawing a complete blank. I couldn't come up with anything until I watched this episode and where he's in sort of the shadowy uh, hallway and no one is uh, no one is really talking. And he's got that woman kind of hanging off of his arm, off of his shoulder. Um, and he makes some sort of very, you know, alludes that we're going to go off and have a lot of sex now. You, you right. Yeah. Gross. Um, and I realized I realized that uh, you if you. If you recast Byron and all of these telepaths with the cast of the 1984 movie Purple Rain, and uh, Byron is now played by Prince Rogers Nelson, uh, then this is spot on perfect. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's coming off as, you know, so Prince, like, 
have you ever have you purified yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? You know, yeah, right. He's got that 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 kind of creepy vibe to him, right? Uh, and, and and his attitude is sort of Prince crossed with Magneto, right? Is is what I'm seeing here. It's it's definitely the you know we're we're tired of being ordered, we're tired of being told what to do. Uh, we want to be. You know, we want to we want to be able to live our lives, and we want people to ask us to do things. Which, as you say, that's what Garibaldi came down to do. Right, asking them, not ordering them to right. do something. Right. Um. So, but but I'm going to counterpoint you a little bit okay. on on their ungratefulness. Uh, okay. Yes, Sheridan. You know, Sheridan said you can stay here, you can have a sanctuary, and put them down at the sort of at the ass end of Brown Sector. <laughs> Brown you know, 187. <laughs> I we, yeah, I, I think we have a spare, uh, you know, septic tank that someone isn't using at the moment that you can stay in. They they clearly weren't given, you know, uh, very nice digs. Uh, yeah, I will accept that. And because it's true, and I have to. And the yeah, and the first thing that they get is someone coming to them, asking them not. You know, they've said they will work. They said they will they will do stuff, but it's someone coming them asking them to do something that's shady, and that is against telepath culture overall. You know, it's in specifically okay. against uh, the the Psychor laws, which they're not bound by. But asking them to kind of, you know use their abilities to to spy and infiltrate you know that's that seems to be uh, propping up a lot of the 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 anti-telepath stereotyping mm-hmm. and the, the fear you know oh we're you you want us you want us to to be you know covert spies for you now well you know that's exactly what people are afraid of every time they see a telepath yeah right right so so in some ways it's like um you know oh we're we'll we'll take you in and we'll give you a really, really lousy part of town. Right. Um, and then we're going to ask you to do the thing that everybody is afraid of you doing. Right. So what was the name of the not, race that, that became extinct because of that plague? Oh, um, th- three, four seasons ago. Long time right, ago. Right. I, I remember the episode. I just don't, I don't <coughs> remember the race. It'll well, be in the show notes. It's like, yeah. well, now that... Now that the Morlocks have all, now that the Morlock species yeah. has been eradicated, Brown One Eighty Three yeah. hasn't been used for a long time. Right? Why don't you oh, go we, live in that graveyard? Yeah, we right. have okay. I, to clean the bodies up. Take care of that while you're right. down there. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I I accept that. Yeah. Uh, they, it, it was, they weren't given a very generous package. You know, they were given certainly more than they'd been given before. But well, and certainly and, by um, Captain Lockley, they would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ship out. Um, I, I also thought it was interesting that Sheridan uh, was so reluctant to use telepaths in this way after he had used a whole bunch of unconscious telepaths in the in the, the final battle against Earth. Right. You know, without really any kind of, we talked about it at the time, without any kind of moral com- you know, problems at all. Right. And, and let's remember that this show makes it a special... Uh, a special point to more or less let you know exactly where we are in time, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like Sheridan made the decision morally dubious, called out by Bester, right? To yeah. use telepaths essentially as atomic missiles, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he made that decision 
15 years ago, and he could be permitted a little haziness of, of recall. That mm. was seven weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, an academic an academic semester hasn't transpired. Right. Right. Since he did this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wh- where it where was- where is this? Uh, this doesn't even make sense. It doesn't parse. Yeah. I, you know. I guess you could explain it as it was necessary during the war, but now he has to maintain the 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 appearance, give the appearance of higher. Um, principles, yes, but uh, yeah, I mean that has to well. be one. It has to be true, and two, it doesn't really land, does it? No, right. I mean, the moment you interrogate it, it all sort of starts to yeah, mm-hmm. little you know, come a little bit, come a little bit of cropper to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder. So you're you're recasting. This is something that we seem to be doing <laughs> yes. a lot. To, okay, sure, sure. Uh, Fan favorite. I want someone. Okay, if I'm gonna have this story, I don't mm-hmm. even know that I want this story. But if I'm gonna have it, I don't want Byron to be blonde Marcus, right? Mm. Marcus, I'm gonna World of Warcraft corner. Marcus is a night elf. Byron is a blood elf, right? They're okay, both, sure, yeah. They're both elves. Oh yeah, and they have that sort of tone, right? No, mm-hmm. I don't want mm-hmm. it. Um, who, what would I go? I want someone like David Warner, right? I want someone older. Older, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's had a lot more experience and is more uh, based in wisdom, right? Sure. And I don't know why this name came to mind. And I can't even believe I'm about to reference this. Because is it Blair Brown? It is not Blair Brown. Still furious. You should be. I, I'm sorry. I stole that thunder. <laughs> so wrong don't. of me. <laughs> no. Here's who I cast as Byron. You ready? Go. I cast Lawrence Luckinbill. You know what Lawrence Luckinbill is most familiar, uh, most you know him for? Please. Cybok, Star Trek V. Oh. Right? Oh. A little, a little kooky. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But he's got a little bit of that Rasputin quality in the eyes. Uh-huh. Right? Like, uh-huh. I don't have any trouble imagining that he... Could conjure a a small community yeah. of devoted followers, right. right? And and he's got yeah. he's got the genre creds. You know, look, I mean, yeah. he was one of the better things in a terrible movie. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and and he's older, so right. therefore, this really gross Byron, you know, harem kind of. Thing that they have been doing mm-hmm. we're not gonna if they do that i mean that's just ick right yeah that starts to go into like season four battlestar galactica baltar as religious cult leader stuff which i didn't like that at all right right now just because no, definitely not yeah that is not what i want to see in my in my space opera you know no um <clears throat> so so I might have gone in that direction. I don't know. I just found that whole B story. I mean, look, Michael Garibaldi is a he's a tough nut. He's difficult yep. to talk to. I like the fact that, you know, Byron basically said, you know, look, I know exactly how you think, kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's exactly how Michael Garibaldi is. He games every yeah. single thing out. 
six ways from Sundays. Mm-hmm. Got to think about it a hundred times before. I, I'm not going to talk to you until I know everything you might possibly say and I have figured out how to respond to it. Hmm. He's been that way since Jump. Absolutely. Right? He's got his number right there. Yeah. yeah. We, and he probably doesn't even need to use, doesn't he even say, I didn't even need to read your mind to you know, to, to know exactly what you're all about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I found the exchanges between uh, between Lita mm-hmm. and Byron, uh, they just sort of read as sort of formulaic to me. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely trying to recruit slash groom her, yeah. uh, and uh, the, leading leading us down the path that there's going to be, uh, you know, there's there's going to be some sort of conflict of of her loyalties. Uh, I yeah. wonder why she's still sort of hewing with the with the psychor at this point. She's yeah, still got the badge, right? You know, she's wearing the gloves and all. Um, I, I I can't figure that one out especially as you know the station's independent she doesn't have to be right and there was all that business with bester last year to get her back in but then the then the war ended Uh right so you know we yeah and because we often don't get unlike with talia winters who we got to see a little bit of her of her innerness Mm -hmm. we rarely get to see lita's Internet. We get a little bit of yeah. it actually in this episode, to be frank, but right, we don't right. get I mean, to see a lot of that. So she raises she raises a very important question um, that I know we've both been wondering, and that's: Do you know what it's like when telepaths are inside someone when they die? You've you're so smugly self satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. I, that's correct. Yeah, uh, I found that scene. Okay, yeah. Okay, let's transition to that. I'm done ranting about the B-plot. Okay, okay that's fine. Um, um. I thought that whole thing was, like, mystically in search of creepy. Yes. Like, it felt like... It it, it felt like in search of, or one of these, mm-hmm. you know, paranormal weirdness kind of A&E sort of programs that I always yeah. feel sort of an uncanny... Valley, is this probably true, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it, when you die, it's a doorway and a doorway and you, you can't process it in any other way and making it seem like a, like a jump gate. Mm. That all landed for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's your, your brain, as it's fading, is trying to interpret or, or if it's a near-death experience or a, or a, a telepath kind of bringing it back, the, the brain is trying to interpret the undefinable right. as the closest thing that it that it can process. Oh, today, door. You know, in in the twenty three hundreds, jump gate. Yeah, right. That right. Makes perfect sense. Right. Makes perfect sense. You know, it's a it's like the the owls are not what they seem. You can't exactly. You you can't make sense of what you're seeing. So your brain is just going to kind of overwrite it with something that, or, or it's just going to have to blank out, shut down. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a. I thought that was really pretty interesting. Yeah. I never really thought about that mm-hmm. yeah. as a as a thing that telepaths would have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and in, you know, of course, in my in my world of woo and uh, supernatural, paranormal, UFO kind of stuff, I I, right. I I hear and read a lot about you know near death experiences, and and I, I don't know where I stand on the whole thing. You know, I'm not like Garibaldi who just immediately says, well, I don't believe in souls. 
And yeah, just, right, yeah, right. Which seemed which seemed rude, I gotta say. But hey, it's yeah, Garibaldi being Garibaldi. Um, yeah. So uh, it's it's a def it's you know it's a very interesting kind of uh, kind of take and and yeah, with, for a telepath to be there sharing the experience at the time, that's that's pretty heavy stuff. That's gotta be right. Yeah. I mean the the. The extinction of a consciousness, either because there are no souls and mm-hmm. the, the secession of the biological process ceases the the uh, uh, the ten trillion connections that make consciousness what it is, mm-hmm. or it's a migration of a soul to another plane of existence. Well, either one of those is going to be unnerving. Yeah. Right? And Either the way, fact that the it's thing... processed as a metaphor. Yeah. 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 In, interesting stuff to be, uh, you know, to, to be throwing out there in the middle of an episode that it's really not, not pivotal in. That's right. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you could, you could write an entire, ep- that could be an A plot of, of, of Lita dealing with that kind of, uh, of experience. Mm hmm. Um, That'd be interesting. It would. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really, give her give her more. Give her more that's about her, unless mm-hmm. it's about her and the psychor, or her yeah. and other telepaths, or or yeah. or right. Well, and I, I think I think we're nosing in that direction, especially because there's there's a couple of things emphasized in this about you know what does this matter to you? You know, do you right? You know about has it occurred to you that you deserve to be treated better? Right. And if you kind of think back on the last couple seasons, you know, every time Zach would come around to see her, every time every time she has a scene, it's because the plot demands a telepath, not that the plot demands right. the Alexander, the, hum- the, the, the person. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see them mm-hmm. open, open, open up, yeah. uh, you know, her storylines a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting that uh, we've had a couple of... There's a couple of things in this episode. The Lita, the telepath dying, mm-hmm. the soul gate, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Michael can choose to not believe in souls if he wishes to, but he has he has direct concrete evidence that, at least as far as Mimbari are concerned, mm. yeah. there is something, yeah, right, from yeah. soul hunting to Dukat and on and on, Mm-hmm. There's something, right? Right. So we have that sort of connection, and then this business with the the foundation of the Interstellar Alliance and Jakar's Declaration of Principles takes us back to one of the one of the points that you and I chewed over for many episodes in our conversation about season one, which is. Humans and aliens. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, you know, no matter the blood, no matter the skin, no matter the world, no matter the star, we are one. We are one. We are one. We are one. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, I complained that it was sort of humans and aliens in the beginning. But I can see now why it sort of had to be to get us through the war to the point where we can now have this kind of adoption of universalist principles. This right. is where this is where the show's been going all along. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it was the, the division between humans and aliens was was you know maybe it wasn't deliberate. Uh, you know, I don't know if JMS is that canny, you know, canny, and and thinking that far along, um, but it it certainly seems planned that that was oh we're gonna we're gonna emphasize the the distinctions and the barriers between right so that by the time we get to season five when those walls and barriers fall and we are right. all one that's right yeah. very nice yeah yeah good work exactly yeah I thought um, I thought the a plot um, you know my complaining about the B notwithstanding I thought the a plot was great mm-hmm. um, I I appreciate how difficult it it had to have been to actually write this Declaration of Principles. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, from having read somewhat extensively in the f- the literature on the f- formation of our own, in the United States, Declaration of Independence and Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. Fraught and difficult things to get written, right? Yes. Um, and... And I appreciate that the different races all come to this language from radically different places where they really struggle to commit to it or even understand it, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. y- you know, to, to drop into history corner for a few minutes... Um, you know, listeners, if this A plot and these notions are of interest to you, one of the best ways to, to think about how they've worked or how they work in our own world uh, is in the foundation stories of the United States. And uh, there's a book that I have read and taught and refer to constantly called Albion's Seed. It's written by a historian named David Hackett Fisher. And if you have any interest in in colonial history of any kind, you ought to already have read this book. And and if you haven't, you should go get it. Um, Essentially, its thesis is the British came to North America uh, in four great waves, one of which results in the settlement of the Virginia colony with its own unique set of very particular values that are different from everyone else's. Then the Bay Colony in Massachusetts, the Puritans of the Bay Colony have their own set of values that are completely distinct in virtually every way from the Virginia colonists. Wave three is the Quakers fleeing religious persecution who found the Pennsylvania Colony. And then last of all, people from the borderlands of, of England, essentially people from Scotland and from Ireland come and settle, and they settle in what's called the back country, which is essentially, uh, you know, start, draw a line down the middle of the Appalachian Mountains, and plus or minus 100 miles on either side of those mountains is essentially the back country. So, mm-hmm. you know, in Massachusetts, right, the Puritans settle on the, on the shore, the back country folks settle in the Berkshires, mm-hmm. right? In Pennsylvania, the center part of the state is backcountry, but the the shore is Quaker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, why do I raise this? Because 
as hard as the Interstellar Alliance is to get off the ground, equally hard as the United States. Mm-hmm. Most of the things that you think about when you think about the United States, uh, civil rights, uh, First Amendment, uh, limited government, etc., nearly all of the things that come straight away to mind are in fact the values of just a few of the states. Pennsylvania, for instance. The Quaker colony is where all of this uh, all of this business with civil liberties and and uh, religious freedom and all of that comes from. It certainly isn't coming from the Massachusetts colony, and it's not coming from Virginia. Um, one of the things that I often have to share with students is, why on earth does the Rhode Island colony even exist? Well, the Rhode Island, the Rhode Island colony exists because it is, it is, it is designed to serve as a counterpoint to the oppressive, uh, religiously narrow-minded, oppressive, Puritan state that was built in Massachusetts and in Plymouth. Rhode Island founded 1636 as a place where free-thinking, free-spirited people could go and actually have some place to be where they would not be oppressed by the Massachusetts authorities who, let uh, let us not forget, in the 1690s, uh, were not only perfectly willing to turn a blind eye when the town of Salem went mad, but in fact were complicit in the uh, Salem witchcraft crisis. And if you don't quite believe me, go back into the archives and look at the way the Massachusetts colony dealt with witchcraft hysteria as compared to the Connecticut colony. Because all of these people in Salem attempted to spread their wildfire all over New England. But it was never going to find any purchase in Rhode Island. Rhode Island was was run, as we all know, by a coven of witches. Uh, of course. Um, but uh, it, they attempted to bring it to Connecticut, which was a Puritan colony. And the Connecticut authorities were like, uh, yeah, no. Go back to Massachusetts with your nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. So... The people of Massachusetts, the people of Rhode Island, the people of Virginia, the people of Pennsylvania, all have radically different core values. And let's not forget that the colony of New York was New Amsterdam. New York is, is essentially a, an English colony written over the substrate of a Dutch colony. So we're... The people of Virginia are trying to recreate the pastoral paradise of the countryside in England, in Virginia. And the people of Massachusetts are trying to create a radical Puritan religious commonwealth. And the people of Rhode Island are trying to create the hate, Ashbury of 1968 in 1640. The people of New York want to trade and make money. That's all they care about. That's what that colony is about. So you end up with an entirely different vibe there. Now, it took many centuries and a civil war before the United States was anywhere near 
the United States as opposed to these United States. And right. you know, you could you could you could argue that in our own contemporary we're recording this in late 2019 for posterity's sake, right? That that our own troubled politics uh, indicate that we're still working on integrating and sharing our values all together. But I mean, good grief. What, what Jakar is trying to accomplish with this declaration of principles is like what the people of the United States were trying to accomplish on steroids and exactly and extraordinarily difficult. And it shouldn't be any surprise that, that that the other races are like you can't legislate this morality it's a whole set of values that we're not even sure that we subscribe to right and so in in some respects i i I would have expected even more you know not opposition but questioning Mm -hmm. because these values uh or this this claim that these values make is so bold. I mean, really, it could only have come from Jakar. And two, right. uh, it's going to take a hundred years of 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 philosophizing to even figure out, in some level, what it implies or what it it demands or what have you. Right? Yeah, yeah. What are the obligations <clears throat> right. based on the "we must be kind"? Right. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. How uh-huh. do we, how do we change this? from a declaration of principles into more actionable right. kinds of things. Yeah, right. it's the same concrete versus idealism that we see at the start of the episode between Garibaldi and Sheridan. Exactly, right. So you know, the, it, the structure of the episode is really tight. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's well written, even though part of it I didn't care for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if this just came out of JMS in one... In like one draft, it, I don't it, know. It, it feels yeah. inspired, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you mean the whole episode or the? No, declaration? no, no, no. The declaration. Yeah, yeah. It you know it's got a little bit of of a little bit more Richard Bach, you know, kind of new age philosophy Jonathan sort of stuff than I, Seagull. <laughs> exactly. Than, than I'm personally comfortable with. Um, yeah, it's not your jam. It's definitely no, no. Idealism never is. Right. Uh, so I, I immediately look at that and say, well, this is this is really nice to aspire to, but but how are people going to live this? So, yeah, yeah, it'll be you know, it's it, and then we don't get to see Jakar's final draft, which he says this is better, and everyone says, right, oh, man, this is this is better, and we don't get. I feel cheated that we don't get to see that. Correct, but correct, uh, but it's yeah, it's it's definitely a it, it, it it's a huge. Um, uh, a huge obligation, a huge sentiment, a huge undertaking to, to put this kind of thing together in a way that all of these, I mean, forget about even just nations and peoples of the earth, mm-hmm. you know, that we're going to go across the, you know, to, to, across the cosmos and bind together all of these different species with, with such radically different backgrounds and, right. Uh, and, right. and pull it all together. And I, I, I don't know. I think it worked. I think it worked really well. End of yeah, the day. yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that, I mean, this is the sort of thing where, uh, you know, I've taught 
hours of lessons on these on these topics. Mm-hmm. I find this totally interesting. I mean, you know, my hope is that you know when when this gets posted to uh, you know live and and mm-hmm. goes onto Facebook, that we'll have some some really interesting conversations about yeah these kinds of notions. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, what did we miss? Anything? Good. Do we have it captured this episode? I I think we do. All right. I think we do. Again, I'm going to I'm going to beat this <clears throat> drum. Go. Episode 3, two episodes in with that without the captain. Uh yes. Yes, yes, yes. Little little weird. Little bit of a weird decision. Right. But there you go. Yeah, I would well, yeah, uh, I I I was with you. I am now more with you. Mhm. On that. Uh Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think that's a good scheduling choice. It doesn't it doesn't land for me. No. No. Yeah. Um but we get our next episode. We do. Yep. And we get a couple of uh schmoes. Yeah. You know, we we yeah. get a Wasn't couple it... of schmoes. We get Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Wasn't it last <laughs> week that, or maybe it was 2 weeks ago that we were saying you know, I wish we had a lower decks episode. Oh yeah, it says exactly right. <laughs> and, and, and thus, does the universe deliver? Right, right. We we both clearly in our subconscious remembered that this was coming without remembering mm-hmm. it was coming. Yeah, yeah. So sure, we'll yeah, say our that. lower decks episode comes next week, folks. Uh, yep. A view from the gallery. Which gallery? The peanut gallery. We'll see, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. it next time. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>